Welcome to Food and Loathing, your window into the Las Vegas restaurant scene, where we never draw the blinds because we're exhibitionists. <laughs> I mean... All right. I'm your host, Al Mancini. In the co-host seat, coming to us from beautiful New England, we have offthestrip.com, Samantha Gemini Stevens. Hello. Hi, and it is beautiful here. We've had like wonderful, wonderful weather the past couple of days. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of days. Cool. I hope you're having a good trip. I am. Thank you. And How's mixing, Vegas? Uh, Vegas is Vegas. We're doing well. You'll hear all about it. <laughs> we'll <get into> that. <laughs> That's true. That's why we're here. And mixing us down, tweaking the volume, eliminating the noise, and generally transforming our cacophony, cacophony, <laughs> oh, ramblings. You need some more <laughs> caffeine for your cacophony. Yes, I do. Our ramblings, let's say that way, into yeah. the symphony of deliciousness you are currently hearing is our engineer, Mr. Rich Johnson. Hello, Rich. Rambling, rambling, rambling guy. <laughs> I Homage love it. Steve Martin, 1977. Theme, yes. music, and everything. Oh, you already got me, off on a, you got me off on a tangent. <laughs> I was looking for Steve Martin um, uh, stand-up online to show Sue because she had never seen some of his classic stand-up, but I couldn't oh, find yeah. anything. Yeah. I was unable to find anything. I'm going to have to search again. But you brought me back there, Rich. Maybe there he, we go. Maybe he clamped maybe. it down because he got when he walked away from that, he walked away hard. Yeah. Maybe we can get him on the show. I mean, you know... You Why don't get what you don't ask for, right? Let's try. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have a lot on the menu today. Later in the show, we'll speak Ew. to Jolene Menina um, and La Strega and Harlow chef Gina Marinelli and Sparrow and Wolf GM Amber Tuttle. They'll all be participating in this year's edition of Picnic in the Alley, the woman-focused food and drink festival that will take place on May 21st, and they'll be telling us all about it. You'll also be hearing from Nick Palmieri of Gaetano's and Clint Toman of the Mob Museum. Oh, I'm but, excited. But yeah. first, <laughs> we like to make our <laughs> listeners hungry by discussing some of the great meals we've eaten, and Gemini is going to get us started. Yeah, so um, obviously I'm going to keep this Vegas focus because I've been eating very well here in Boston. Uh, but this week has been really delicious, even before I left. So on Sunday, we ordered in. Uh, I know how some people feel about it. I get it. Talk to me personally if you have an issue. We'll chat. Um, we ordered from Meraki Grill, um, if I'm saying that right. Meraki, Meraki. Um, there's, yeah. there's one on Fort Apache in Charleston, which is near my house. And we had two different friends in town that wanted to spend time with us or two different groups of friends that wanted to spend time with us at the same time. So there was a total of six of us and we just ordered in and we had this perfect meal, enjoying this beautiful weather in the backyard there in Las Vegas. And we had gyros and salads and chicken kalamakia and avgolamano soup and spanikopita and rice and falafel and lamb chops and tomateka, which is uh, also tomatas, you know, stuffed grape leaves, um, steak kalamaki and all of the accoutrements like pita and avocado and quinoa and tzatziki and hummus and feta and olives and oh my goodness i mean we just had a yeah, feast everything on yeah. the we pretty because... much we pretty much ordered everything on the menu because we 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 did it so you know everybody could have a little bit of everything um super super feast fantastic for sitting out in the backyard in in the in the wonderful weather that at least at the time was being had in las vegas um 
So highly re- fantastic. I love highly recommended. I think I, it's been years since I've been there and I'm super, super glad that that's where we chose to, to call in and, and place some place a food order. We ordered way too much people for six people. We spent a shit ton of money, but it was totally worth it. Um, and of course you can't go wrong with Greek leftovers. I mean, you just can't, oh, they're, okay. they're either cold or they're hot and they warm up or you just eat them right out of the fridge and you're totally fine. And, and Meraki, uh, <laughs> if people aren't familiar with this restaurant. Um, Meraki is a Vegas born restaurant. They've got several locations here in Las they Vegas, do. It's very casual. They're, they're quick casual. You counter service and you eat in a very, you know, nondescript dining room for the most part. Um, but everybody goes oh. there. In fact, everybody from the Mina group went there so frequently that they eventually partnered with them. And Michael Mina and the guys who own Meraki, the, the folks who own Meraki, I should say, they um, now have Estiatorio. Um, oh God, I'm forgetting. The, Milos. No, not Milos. No, it's oh. a different one. Um, uh, Ornos. Ornos, oh. excuse me. And that's I didn't in, realize they were related. That's awesome. Yeah, there's one in Florida. There's one in San Francisco. And um, I got my fingers crossed that maybe we'll have one in Vegas sometime soon. Oh, I don't know, yeah. but um, it would be nice if we now did. Now you're making me hungry. Um, <laughs> that, but th- that, that, of course, that's their elevated one. Meraki is really super casual. I always get takeout from there. It I is, but it's so good. Oh, it's fantastic. I yeah, love it. and, and I love that you can order like gyro on the side. You can basically order everything on the side. So they have these beautiful entree dishes or family style dishes or whatever, but then you can kind of mix and match, which is exactly why it sounded like we ordered everything on the menu to just kind of cover all the bases. And let me tell you, I mean, I, I haven't had um, takeout Greek food like that in a really long time. So I'm really super happy. And just thank you to everybody over there for handling our massive meal because uh, it definitely took some effort and you could tell and it was it was worth it completely. Um, so on Monday, um, I did not eat leftovers because I had other things to do. I went over to Halio from Jose Andres. We've talked about him plenty of times on this show. Um, never enough. We're going to mention him again a little bit later, but we'll get there in the news. Um, to try the new gin and tonic festival pairings. And I love that they have these little festivals. They make really cool cocktails. They have really good pairings. Um, So to keep this basically brief, because we ate way too much and drank a lot of things that night, I'm going to give you some of the highlights. Um, We started with the ultimate gin and tonic, $20, which was made with Hendrix Gin, Fever Tree Indian Tonic, Macroot, I think I'm saying that correctly, M-A-K-R-U-T, leaf. It was just inside the top of the gin and tonic, but we decided to chew on it a little bit and then drink the drink with it. And it was beautiful. It's this really sort of bitter citrusy note um, that was really, really a lot of fun. And I mean, I I like bitter. I mean, you know, a little bit like my heart, you know, that's where it goes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It also had some of your expected gin flavors and additives like juniper berry, lemon, lime. Um, And it was paired with the best description I can give you was, oh, my fuck. It was so good. It was this. (laughs) 16th of an inch or so, maybe thicker, maybe an eighth of this beautiful dark red, really fatty ham on and a dollop of caviar. And you were supposed, and it was uh, 
slightly bigger than a large postage stamp, and you were supposed to pick it up and eat it like a taco and then drink the drink. Yeah, I believe they call that Jose's Tacos, right? Yeah, Jose's Tacos, that correct. Is, that's yes. a classic dish, a uh, oh. classic Jose Andres dish. Uh, Iberico ham and caviar, man. Yes. Fat and beautiful. And, and and that's exactly it. You know, they put taco in quotes. You understand when it comes there, you're not actually expecting a taco. Um, but you put that together and it was rich and salty and meaty and beyond a lot of bites I've had in a while. Um, and it has been a long time since I've had that. Not since I've been to Bazaar and that's been quite a few years. Um, that dish is $25. Um, the appetizer G&T was our second one. That's also $20. And actually, I should note all the gin and tonics on this list are $20. It's the dishes that go with them that change. Um, and this one, again, the bitter notes a little bit like my heart and soul, you know, uh, it was super delightful. It was Tanqueray gin. It was Chinar, it, which is a dark artichoke, Amaro type liqueur, if anybody doesn't know what that is. Um, and then they hit it with hits of bright citrus lemon, some lavender bitters, some fever tree Indian tonic, and then served with a super, super thin cucumber, like kind of like rind, uh, around the glass, inside the glass. Um, I did question whether they or why they use Hendrix versus Tanqueray because Tanqueray is so flavorful. Hendrix tends to be like the cucumber gin or so I've always been taught and how I've always had it to drink. Um, so I, I encourage anybody to reach out to me personally and tell me, you know, why I'm guessing it's because of the Chinar, which is darker and some of the other flavors in there, but really, really pointed, balanced, perfectly put together cocktail um so you know and i've been mentoring tankery a lot so maybe it's a sponsorship hey guys contact us you know <laughs> yeah. you never know <laughs> um and then in addition to all the different pairings on the gnt festival list which i have posted on um, social media i will also post on the food and loathing uh podcast facebook just so you can see an idea of how they have their menu set up we tried a lot of other really beautiful things which i'll try and get through quickly um one of them was the pan seared scallops which were perfectly cooked they had that just that crispy brown tiny little bit on the one side and then the rest of it was oh i mean not not basically translucent that perfectly not quite raw not quite cooked through the middle um they had this thing called it's it's not just pan de tomate which is the the bread with tomato that a lot of spanish restaurants do and that jose does wonderfully well this one is specifically called pan de cristal tomate and i found out i'm not even kidding and i'm shocked at this because i'm not a bread maker but i know just enough 80% hydration, which is a lot of water for bread, if you've ever thought about it. Yeah. And they make it in a chewing gum machine. So okay. I don't even know what I didn't to even think. know there was a chewing gum I, machine. I guess there Seriously. I, I'm thinking in my head like those those TikToks of like taffy machines with the rollers that keep going over each other. I have yeah. no idea. I'm gonna have to find some videos. Maybe I'll I'll see if I can find some Jose Andreas videos about this bread and see if I can share those. But it was just beautiful. It was the thinnest crust I've ever had. It was the crispiest piece of bread. The tomato was perfect. Um, but just to know that it's an 80% hydration bread made in a chewing gum machine just kind of blew my mind for the week, maybe the month. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> um, and then we had the Kona de Atun, which is the tuna cones. And uh, it was made with this really beautiful like avocado mousse kind of thing with it. Super just tiny little bite, maybe an inch and a half, two inches tall. You just pop the whole thing in your mouth so you get all the different textures and flavors. 
Um, and then, of course, we had a plate of amazing hamons and palatillas and, and salchichon, which is basically all these great words to tell you. We ate a lot of meat, a lot of <laughs> yeah, cured, cured meat. Meats. Some of it was sausage type. Some of it was just sliced right off the leg. Um, so, yeah, that's the way to do that. We had stuffed and fried dates. Um, one of the PS's de resistance, seriously, was this sautéed mushroom dish, super, super light potato puree, kind of spread around the edge of the plate, and the mushrooms were in the middle. Um, and it was a mix of all kinds of different mushrooms. I think there was oyster in there and a couple of other things that I, I can't always tell. I mix them up. I know I do. Um, but then there was the 63 degrees Fahrenheit egg, um, which means that the egg, the white was just set. And you just take that spoon and you mix it up and then you just eat the whole thing. And if you still have some of that crystal pan to, to contatmat, it was perfect. So yeah, if, if the restaurant would have allowed me, I might've bathed in it or licked the bowl, but I decided <laughs> against it. <laughs> oh, I think you got everybody hungry. Now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was my week yeah. in Vegas before I even left. So I please, think, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. I, I, I think you got your only fans page set there too. <laughs> Watch you bathe. In I like this idea. <laughs> oh man. Turning to our resident fast uh. food fanatic, um, Rich, have you been dining anywhere good these days or has it been a week of supersized drive through fries for you? Well, coincidentally, a couple of hours ago, I was planning. I was really planning to hit the new McDonald's at Lake Mead and Lamb. It's one of just three McDonald's around the whole country that are now fully automated. No what? humans at all. At least anybody dealing with human customers. Clearly, there are people restocking all the sure. things to make all the stuff. Who's actually cooking? I don't even uh, believe that they have people the making the food. I think it's just... Matrix. I don't know. Yeah. I, think Al's, I think Al has a good point there. It's McDonald's I, food. Do you need yeah. people to cook it? Yeah. Fair and, enough. and I just lost the will to drive about 10 miles, passing maybe five other McDonald's to not be served by some high school kid who can barely make change and instead be served by a conveyor belt. And, well, there's the whole lake meat and lamb element, too, and the fact that I started joning, jonesing for a hot pastrami on rye for no apparent reason. So I just went to Life's a Bagel to my house and had the hot pastrami on rye and loved it very much. There you uh, go. I had a chance to go full expense account. Someone else's expense account. Other people's money, man. Yeah, yeah wow. OPM. Uh, party of six at Brezza Sunday night. Chef Nicole had treated my wife and I to a couple of her special raviolis last time we went. So I asked her to bring a selection of the of those to, as apps for the table. Okay. They were all, you know, the coworkers, the clients were talking amongst themselves. So I just kind of took over the food thing. Uh, I made another command decision for the table with a 40-ounce tomahawk and a whole bronzino. All sliced. Yes. We split all that stuff up, some sides. We did family style all around. So uh, thank you, Nicole, for making all that. A shout out to my server buddy, JR, guy I made friends with uh, at the Palm. He spent 20 years at the Palm. At, uh, oh, season. wow. But I missed him the last couple of visits. I wondered if COVID got him or something. <laughs> but there he was at Brezza serving our tables. So that was a great. Uh, a reunion, like, a yeah. delicious reunion. You, Before you see the same good servers in restaurant after restaurant in this town. Yeah. yeah. And he's one of those guys, you know, mid 50s. That's his career. Raised his family, had a nice life, and continues to by doing a really great job of making your dining experience a real experience. That's awesome. So that's that makes cool. me happy. Uh, I also, uh, before that dinner, went over to the Golden Monkey. 
Yeah, I visited that as well. I was going to say, I think you both did that this week. So this is at Resorts World. It was the bar to Genting Palace. Their super uh, Chinese place. It looks like all they did was add some tiki mugs and a few surfboards. Uh, The the bartender told me the decor is a work in progress and more tiki stuff is coming. And then they, of course, have the menu with about 20 signature tiki drinks. I had something called the one-way ticket. It was very nice. I have one way no ticket idea. to where? Uh, that's a good question. Does it matter at that point? <laughs> the the face on the tiki oh. mug was all frowny. Oh boy. So, uh, yeah. That was every every you know, different tiki mugs for different drinks, you know. <laughs> I had no idea what's in there, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I will uh, I'm I'm looking for them <laughs> to get better at the whole tiki thing because it really isn't there yet. I mean, okay. I was in a couple of days after you. I was not, you know, I've heard people talking about this golden monkey and, you know, it's like, oh, is it as good as golden tiki or whatever? And I would say like, you know, that that's an unreasonable thing. That's a different anything thing. That's a, yeah. To, Nobody. Yeah, those are completely that. different animals. Yeah. Uh, but but this for a casino bar, um, I thought the decor was cool. It was not over the top tiki. It was not an attraction. Um, you know, this was not a, a totally jumping into the theme over the top of your immerse, immersive experience. But there were there was enough tiki um, affectations around that I felt tiki-ized when I was in there. Okay. I mean, you know, it's a nice room. It was beautiful. Genting Palace is a beautiful restaurant. It's a yeah. beautiful room. And, you know, they didn't do a total redesign yeah, on it, I don't believe. The same, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think they just kept, you know, it, it's already had sort of an Asian theme, so yeah. they just kind of made it more Polynesian a little bit, and they, they <laughs> well, threw some other things in there. They need a little help on the music, because they have their own music for that. Sure. And it's Girl from Ipanema, and it's reggae, and I said, that's the wrong side of the world, dude. Uh, so, you <laughs> know, I heard you saying this before, and here's the deal. Tiki is, I mean, like for me, I like to hear surf punk when I go into a tiki bar. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, tiki is, yeah. I think it was Adam Rains who once told me that if you want to know what tiki bar is, it's, or what tiki culture is, it's a vacation in your own backyard is the idea, yeah. right? Um, I like so, that. You know, and it was in the, you know, the fifties or whatever, when, you know, you could put up a little hut in your backyard and, you know, go out and, yeah. and you know, just get away from your house. So I don't believe, uh, personally, I don't think there's authentic tiki music. For me, tiki tiki bar musics have always veered towards punk rock and loud music and surf guitar and Dick things Dale, like that. Dick Dale, baby, so, yeah. Dick Dale, yeah. So, I mean, I would be totally fine with Girl from Ipanema or whatever that yeah. song is. Yeah, I okay. think I think that works in the tiki bar theme. This is me, man. I mean, yeah. you know. I, I think I, I think the biggest thing to consider too is that you know I mean unless you live in a place like Vegas where we do have tiki bar options, um, you know sometimes for people tiki bar is such a unique traveling experience that, you know if the girl from Ipanema is up there or even there's even a couple of Beach Boy songs or something like that as long as they're happy the drinks are flowing I I, I think it's yeah, fair okay. to say they're still going to have a good tiki experience. Yeah. Here's the thing that I noticed about it. <laughs> Is that it was probably it's it's one of the most affordable casino bars out there. I mean, oh okay, all of the cocktails are complicated cocktails. They've got a, a good yeah. cocktail menu, and you know, there's the Scorpion, the I don't know, Bird of Paradise or whatever. You know, Sue had a Mai Tai. Um, you know, th- these you get are the not... grog and and those kinds of things. Yeah, and they're yeah. all eighteen bucks, I believe. No, they were between like fifteen and eighteen bucks. Yeah, and the okay. vast majority around sixteen, like the sixteen 
seemed to be the most recurring number that I saw on that menu. And I know there may be people listening in other markets who think that that's a ridiculous amount of money to pay for a cocktail. But in a well, Las, Vegas Las Vegas casino, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if you're getting a cocktail <laughs> under 20 bucks, especially a complicated cocktail, like a tiki bar cocktail, that's a bargain, man. And, yeah. you know, so I feel this is a great hotel bar. I, yeah. I really yes, do think that's for it, a casino I love hotel, hotel bar, lobby it's fantastic, bars. you know? That's yeah. awesome. Um, with a tiki theme and with good cocktails. And um, yeah, I, I, I dug it. So yeah, anyway, well, that's awesome. back it to was you, Rich. Resorts world all the time <laughs> for me. I was there a, another day at lunchtime. I went to Famous Foods. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I love the stalls with the different Asian items. Now there's a yeah. burger place. There is uh, Marcus Samuelson's chicken place. And coming soon, I see the sign a fish and chips place. So that, don't give that a try. Uh, I went to Steve Aoki's uh, yakitori thing, curry, curry, pa. I had a beef teriyaki that was uh, kind of plain. Yeah. I uh, fortunately I had a packet of sriracha to save the day. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I still will go back. I want to hit everyone eventually. Absolutely. And that also means hitting them before a couple of them go away. Yeah. Like yeah. whatever was there where the fish and chips is going. And for those who don't know, Famous Foods is sort of the food call, food court, food hall, whatever you yeah. want to call it yeah. at um at Resorts World. So you know you can oh yeah order from multiple yeah. places. Yeah, right. it's cool. So where have you been? Al? Yeah, uh, Al, what have you been eating? Where has Mister Al been eating lately? Um, well, this Friday, the day that this podcast drops, is the fifth anniversary of the Underground at the Mob Museum. Uh, that actually surprised me because man, this place really feels five like years true- already. Yeah, see, I, I'm the but opposite. But also, is that I feel that like it's all? always been there. I feel yeah, like it's exactly. always been there. That was the next thought. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember a time almost when it wasn't. Yeah, and I took Hubert Keller there for an episode of his PBS show, Secrets of a Chef. I uh, saw that. Yeah, I, me too. I always <laughs> send visitors to this place. I really, really love the underground of the Mob Museum. If you're new to Vegas or if you haven't been there, if you're visiting Vegas, this is in the Mob Museum. It's in the basement. Um, you get in free with admission to the museum and all ages are admitted there till uh, up until 5 p.m. Uh, then it goes 21 and over after 5 p.m. There's a working still in there. They make yes, their there own is. moonshine. It, there's a full museum exhibit on prohibition within the mob museum. Um, so you can actually learn some shit while you're there. Yep. You can look at some artifacts. They take the shit so seriously. Like you order a cocktail, it'll come to you in a hollowed out book and you pour it into your glass. I mean, they're serious. <laughs> and then if you go when the museum's not open, you have to enter from the north side of the building. You yeah. What really looks like a sketchy staircase. Like it's, you know, you look, you feel like, yeah, some, some weird shit could go down. You go down the staircase, you, you ring the bell, they slide open the little slat. They ask you for the password. You got to get the password on um, their social media feed it changes every week so i love the mob museum as speakeasies yep. go it's really the speakeasy in las vegas maybe we need to record there i i would yeah. love to man, again is, maybe again if that's the <laughs> yeah. um so let's do it so today the the um the, when you hear this the day this drops that's their fifth anniversary but they actually had the media in last week to sample some new cocktails and some new food that have been added to the menu for the anniversary um we had a blast hanging out in the distillery and i got to chat later with the museum's senior food and beverage director clint toman about what they're doing to celebrate this friday we're celebrating the five-year anniversary of the underground we for that day we have uh, live music from five till midnight we have drink specials, and we'll be having raffle prizes. And in anticipation of the anniversary, we just relaunched a new menu with uh, 
about five new drinks and three new fi- food items. What are your favorites on the on the menu? Uh, so the, I've got a lot of favorites, uh, but uh, my my favorite one at the moment is the wild hair. It is a rye cocktail with carrot juice and a brown butter simple and a touch of allspice. And let's talk about food. What's your favorite menu item on the food menu? The mezza plate. Uh, do a roasted red pepper hummus, a tzatziki, and an olive tempanade with uh, roasted carrots, uh, watermelon radish, roasted peppers, and toasted pita. And can you tell me about the dessert? Because that was one that really struck out, stuck out in my mind. Yeah, so we've been you know, really trying to uh, uh, change it up and come up with uh, new and exciting things. So one of the things, the new items is the trio of sorbets. And we wanted to do something we're known for. We're known for our, our cocktails, so we wanted to do something that kind of represented that. So we did um, uh, sorbets based on our moonshine flavors. We have a uh, apple and Sin City, a pineapple moonshine mayhem, and a uh, j- uh, ginger Jake and lime sorbet. Could you just run down quickly the the admission policy? Because I think a few people are maybe still be a little confused about it since this is part of the museum. Yeah, so prior to 5 p.m., anyone who purchases admission to the museum has access to the space, but service is always limited to 21 and over. After 5 p.m., you have to be 21 to even be in the space. But guests can actually come around to the uh, east side of the building, come down the stairs, ring the buzzer, and if you know the password, you can get access to the underground without paying admission. And how do people find out the password? It's on social media. It changes every week. It's on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, It changes every Friday. I also paid a visit to Tao Beach last week for a media tasting of what seems like their entire food menu. (laughs) It it is great to see the day club scene finally getting started, given the weather we've had. Um, No kidding. Yeah, Tao Beach was just renovated last year, and it still looks great. That beautiful statue that serves as the centerpiece. DJs making music, plush cabanas, some with plunge pools. Um, The kind of menu you would really expect from the Tao Group and from Tao Asian Bistro, which is located just downstairs. Mm -hmm. This is at the Venetian, by the way, if you're not familiar with it. Um, They brought out, seriously, a true feast for us. uh, Sandwiches, chicken skewers, fruit plates, pizzas, salads, and then a truly amazing sushi selection. They really do great sushi at Tao. Now I'm envious. And at Tao Beach, man. Um, There was one weird dish that kind of felt like they had put some General Tao's chicken or something or a similar Chinese dish on top of some sushi rolls. What happened? Some some weird fusion. Um, It wasn't half bad, uh, but that that was a little strange. Look, Tao Group rarely disappoints, I have to be honest. They have a lot going on right now. Uh, with the recent openings of Stanton Social Prime and the upcoming opening of Cathedral. So it was really nice to see that they are still paying attention to the Beach Club. And trust me, they are. It's really That's good. awesome. Uh, Saturday night, of course, was the Chefs for Kids benefit, which yes! you and I hosted together, Gemini. Thank you so much for inviting me, man. I oh, had my gosh. Please, thank you for doing it with me. I know that you were the one who did it last year, and uh, when it came up this year, they asked me if I'd be interested, and I said, uh, you know, if Al can come with me. (laughs) I don't think it was that much, but I think it was more like if Al will let me do it with him. But, yes, I had so much fun with you. It was such a great night. 
I had a blast. And you and the team, man, you guys raised a lot of money for the program. So We did. Bravo. I was hoping to give you guys numbers today, but they're not in yet. So hopefully we can give people some good news soon. But the, the auctions were amazing. I know that, you know, you and I talked on stage quietly, of course, about uh, when some of them were going on, how crazy it got. Some people, you know, ended up doubling, tripling, quadrupling what they were offering to donors as long as the donors were willing to pay. Um, it was just, it was insanity and all for a great cause. Yeah, and you raised a ton of money for um for Chefs for Kids, which, by the way, brings, if you didn't hear our episode a couple of weeks back, they bring nutritional education and healthy meals to local school kids. So that was Correct. really cool. Um, then when I woke up the next day on Sunday, I really was dedicated to having a lazy day at home and not <laughs> oh, doing yeah. anything. Uh, so I went out to purchase the ingredients for brunch, basically eggs, bagels, lox, you know, that yeah. kind of shit. But soon I were really craving caviar. Oh. So and now it's a Sunday, like around noon or so. And I'm like, where the fuck do I get caviar at a Sunday around noon? So Whole I put foods. out. Well, yeah, a couple of <laughs> people did say that. I don't have one right in my backyard of Whole Foods. But um, I put out the word on social media uh, asking where I could get caviar. And the answer came back. The Lemon Tree Market on Buffalo. Yes. I haven't been in there yet. Tell me, tell me you went. Lemon Tree is really great, man. It's in the same building that Basilico is in, in that okay. Bora complex on Buffalo, just just like a, a hair north of the 215 on Buffalo. Okay. Um, beautiful, you know, apartments that they're building in there. There's one building's open already, more are coming. Um, but, you know, Lemon Tree, it, it was the guy who owns it. He was at Il Molino for years. And when they closed during the pandemic, uh, I guess he opened this. And it's really just a gourmet shop. You know, it's got all the stuff that you would find at all the other gourmet shops that we like in this town, whether it be, you know, artisanal or cured in whey, you know, the, the, just the really solid place to go and shop. They had four different kinds of caviar that you could buy just by Ooh. the small tin, uh, like the one ounce tins, I guess. Um, they were all uh, Tsar Nicholas, I believe, but they, they were four different styles. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. They also have a um, cafe in there where you can eat and they sell some really gorgeous looking desserts that I didn't buy. Um, but you know, rare ingredients, things like that. So lemon tree is a great addition to the neighborhood. Like I said, Buffalo right around the corner from my house. So I'm super excited about having them. I'm glad. Thank you, Eric Gladstone for posting that on social media so that I was able to get up there. Um, what else? I already told you guys about the golden monkey. We talked about that. Yeah. So tell me about, uh, did you go to the Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I think I saw your New Jersey. Did you go to the game? I went to that abysmal game one of the oh, Stanley Cup playoffs. John yes. was there, too. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, well, you know, like here's the thing, though, about going to T-Mobile these days. You know, a lot of my favorite food vendors didn't come back to T-Mobile after the pandemic. Yeah. And I've heard some grumbling about the deals that they were offered. You know, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. That's not my business to say. But I know that, that, that a lot of... My favorite places are no longer in there, but there are still a couple really good places. Um, you know, you've got the team from Border Grills there um, doing their their two concepts, barbecue and Mexicana, and um, the, the skewer their skewer concept. But for me that night, dinner was pizza from Forte Pizza, which yes. are the folks from Ferraro's. And um, yeah, what can I say? It was much more satisfying than the night's performance. <laughs> <laughs> That was a rough game, man. I'm not going to the, the one as we I, record. I'm not I, going tonight, but I hope right. they do better. I, I was getting the text messages during the game, you know, asking me about my travel, and and John was going to the game without me. And now they've never lost when I've been there, so I don't know if I should take blame for this or what. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, um, just if you'll allow me, we're getting a live update on um, raising some money for a good cause. 
And so the rough number at the moment, if I can open this up, is I know I need a drum roll right now. Income is about here. We're still waiting on a few payments to come in, but we are looking at over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Sweet. Oh my gosh. Thank you, thank you, everyone. That's for chefs for kids, just as a reminder. Oh, I just got the chills. You know, it's it, I got out of there without buying anything at the auction because I was up on stage during the entire auction. So that saved yeah, me, me a too. Bunch of money. <laughs> so, but I didn't get to donate, so I'll have to write them a check or something. Um Finally, uh, I had my first full meal at Naxos Taverna Ooh. in Red Rock, um, and we had a pretty fantastic feast thanks to Chef Mark Andelbrat. And this is basically a Greek and Mediterranean seafood restaurant, and it's a damn good one at that. Uh, highlights for me included the um, kaitifi wrapped shrimp, which is those like Ooh. those like kind of strings of filoy kind of dough. Yeah, make it really the, crispy. Yeah, really crispy yes. wrapped around shrimp. That was really fucking amazing. Um, they served that with a kalamata oil, kalamata olive aioli. Um, nice. They also had some great wood fired artichokes with salsa verde and lemon aioli, and then the whole fish. Um, we had the royal dorade. Which is um, they they just do this so simply with mm. charred lemon and sea salt and served with these grilled cherry tomatoes and um, just really fucking amazing. Um, the lamb chops were also excellent, grilled with some Greek spices and served with um, sumac onions and mint Ooh. yogurt. Um, we did some of the pitas with spreads, which I've had there before. Once again, really amazing. My favorite was definitely the um, muhammara, mm -hmm. which is a spicy dip made with um, roasted red pepper, walnut, and pomegranate. Oh, really, really good. I love that there. One they of my favorites version. for sure. Um, the two dishes that didn't really land for me were both scallop dishes, actually. One raw with cucumber, mint, and jalapeno, and one cooked with charred fennel and lemon puree. And honestly, in both cases, I just felt like they were a wee overdressed. Um, okay. You know, the preparations were good. But honestly, this restaurant is really at its best when it lets the ingredients speak for themselves. And for the most part, it does that. Um, and th these were just, you know, not as ingredient forward, I mean, not not as scallop forward as I would have liked. You know, there, there was a lot more going on with them. But gotcha. they're still good dishes. Just, you know, I don't think that that is really what they excel at. So that is about it for me. Coming up um, in the news, we've got all kinds of stuff to talk to you about. But first, I don't even remember what's in the news today, but we'll get to that soon. <laughs> but first, we've got Jolene Menina, um, Gina Marinelli, and Amber. Who's Amber coming up? That we Amber have? Tuttle is Tuttle. the assistant general manager over at Sparrow and Wolf. Cool. So they are all coming up next. This is Food and Loathing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip? Off strip? Downtown? Great views? Great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. So we are sitting here with Jolene Menina, who created, founded, came up with Picnic in the Alley. Before we get into some other people we love to talk to, tell us a little bit more about that. How did it start? What got us here? 2019 felt like a really good time to bring all of the women together. Um, For me, it was more of getting us to know each other a little bit more, having time to collaborate with each other, understand each, each other's expertise so that in the future, in the long run, we can lean on each other to support each other, um, especially in our field. So uh, it seemed like, a, obviously, we love to eat and drink. And <laughs> um, I'm in the hospitality industry, so doing this around food uh, and booze seemed to make a lot of sense. Yeah. So it was really more of a camaraderie thing. I mean, is that is that what you're really trying to tell Yeah, I mean, I wanted here? to highlight the women in our community for all the amazing things that they do. But at the same time, it was, hey, let's find some time. We we know each other, we know each other socially, but sometimes we don't have the time to have sit, have a conversation and find out ways that we can collaborate together. Yeah. And, uh, and, and not just, you know, coming in and saying, hey, I want you to do this for this event or this, this, but like, what would you like to do? What, what would you like to showcase that represents you? Yeah. And have the experts in their fields kind of design their own area, curate their own area. And then at the same time, be like, great, this whole event, is going to be produced also by women. So there's graphic design, photography, the the chefs, the mixologists, you know, every part of it, right? Showcase all of the women, not just the ones that, you know, normally I'm working with, which is the chefs, sure. you know, but a little bit of everything. Without getting political, would you say it's also because, let's face it, a lot of these festivals and a lot of these meets and, and get-togethers and things like that are run by guys? Well, absolutely. I mean, look at the timing of when we decided to do this. Yeah. Obviously, we were shining uh, as, as big of a light as we could on, on women, and it just felt like the time to bring us together, right? Yep. Let's support each other. Let's help each other. And it was, it was a, a time to just, you know, excel, right? It just felt like the right moment. I love that. Now, would you say, you know, we've spoken about this before with the Women's Hospitality Initiative, which I know you're heavily involved with, and I know that there some of the proceeds here are going towards the Women's Hospitality Initiative. Um, we've spoken many, many times about the fact that as much progress as we think has been made towards women in this industry, that there is still a lot of resistance out there. And I'm curious, is this a reaction to the inability to get onto other other projects because they're just so heavily male dominated that they I mean do you feel shut out from other things I guess is the I question. Mean, on occasion you definitely do I mean whatever we can do to push 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 you know that's what we're trying to accomplish right now I mean the Women's Hospitality Initiative stemmed from this event because when we started to do this Elizabeth's like Elizabeth Blau came to me and she's like hey why are we not doing something more mm-hmm. for the women in our community You know, do you think, not just doing this one event, but how can we do something that is continuous, right? And that's how we started with the Women's Hospitality Initiative from this. Gina, I see you nodding your head. (laughs) Um, I'd love for you to jump in. This is conversational, please. How how do you feel about all of this? Um, You know, 
Jolene's done so many incredible events in this community. This one by far is my favorite. Uh, growing up as just a line cook on the strip and everything, when you'd go to events to see a woman, any kind of female chef with a booth, it's like a $2 bill. You didn't see it. So to see something like this where all these women have been either overshadowed, you know, overlooked, if they're a sous chef or a junior sous or a pastry chef or a psalm, they just never were recognized. Right. So to get to do an event like this where everybody's in the forefront, that is so exciting and powerful for us. And, you know, I don't know any other city that's really doing something like this and really letting, you know, the, the younger chefs or just everyone that's in the trenches working get their chance to shine and show who they are, what they're very passionate about. So I will nod my head all day with this event. I love yeah. that. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> Um, were, uh, obviously, Joe, you threw the first one. Gina, were you at the first event? Yes, I was, and it was really exceptional. I mean, I still remember the picture we took with all the women. We did individual oh, shots, yep. and we all lined up. I still have that on my toolbox at work, and it was just a really powerful night, yeah. I felt like. you know. And I saw you know, an old pastry cook that I used to work with was there. She had her own booth, and it was just like, thank gosh, the time is here. So just very proud, very, very proud. That's awesome. Cool. So um, explain... All, how many women do we have involved with this and with putting it together in all of the fields put together when it comes yeah, to chefs and winemakers and brewers and everything? Yeah, we're, we're right around 50 women that are contributing to the event. Yeah, that's cool. amazing. Well, yeah, bring in recognition. Lots of times you don't even realize who you're standing next to or what's going on. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. People that are in the community and to bring recognition to them. Then you start to really understand, oh, wow, there are so many powerful women just in Las Vegas alone, right? Yeah. And getting them all together, I mean, it definitely makes a statement. You know, clearly makes a statement <laughs> to everybody. Like, why, yeah. why the hell are the rest of you ignoring us, right? right? Or no. not, not why, why is it so rare? Women make up 50% of the population, and yet we go to these festivals, I don't see 50% right. women, yep. right. right? I right. mean, it is, it's pretty obvious. All you have to do is walk around and see the, the slant in it. Um, Gina, within your organization, do you make a conscious effort to try to hire women and to promote from within? Is this something that you take time to, you know, seriously sit down and think about? You know, if you come into La Strega, it's predominantly women, and that's by accident. They were just <laughs> the better employees for me to hire at the time. Yeah. But now it's kind of grown into a very comfortable place to come and learn, to make it okay to fail, and to kind of grow up in these ranks, because I know how hard that is, and to be... I'm not saying every male chef out there is terrible by any means, <laughs> but, you know, I like to kind of not take them under my wing, but show them, like, this is a safe spot. Yeah. You know, be creative, be passionate. You know, your orientation, your sexuality, that's all second. You are a chef first. And so I really try to make that important, whether it's a general manager, a bartender, anybody. Yeah. You know, so we're getting there day by day. How about you, Joe, within your organization? Is it very important to you to hire women? It is, and I will say right now it's dominant females, especially at Peyote, uh, my general manager, most of our mixologists, even most of our servers. And it's, it's not and the same thing, exactly what you said. Um, we definitely wanted to make sure there were hiring females, uh, and it just happens to be dominant, but they were the better choice yep. in most of the applications and things that we had. You know that came to us mm -hmm. and maybe that's because so many women are coming to us because they know we're a bit easier to work with yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <You know? laughs> yeah right so uh, we know we started this in 2019 it was october and then you know of course the world shut down for a few years yeah uh what made you choose may getting in towards late spring early summer versus going back to fall well i knew i wanted to do it this year i i felt like we had enough time so that the chefs could 
be in a good place with their restaurants, be able to do something off-site, you know, keep being really mindful of all the things that come into place when you're throwing a large event. And um, I chose May uh, because I was really looking at the calendar of events that are happening in Las Vegas. And quite honestly, there is a lot going on in the fall, right? Between Life is Beautiful, Formula One, there's just a lot happening. And I figured that this would probably be a really good time for the people participating to make sure that it's not going to be too stressful on them to, to come off site and do the event with us. And do you by chance know off the top of your head, I know Al asked you about how many women are involved. Do you know about the ratio of people who are veterans who've done this with us before in 2019 or who are newbies and coming in for oh, 2023? Oh, that's a good question. I'll look at the lineup, but at least half were with us in 2019. That's awesome. Yeah. So what's the creative process like when you start bringing people in and, you know, some people, especially who haven't done it before, right? Like what kind of, what kind of mission do you set them out with? And then Gina, if, to follow that up, where, where do, how do you run with that mission? So, Well, for me, I just, I try to have a conversation with everybody first to find out if there's any goals that they have. If there's something special that they want to do. Also, what time they have to dedicate to this event. Some no, they don't have time. And they're like, <laughs> do everything for me. I will be there. Some are like, they want to go above and beyond and there's something that they want to showcase. And, you know, we try to help them out, especially with artists that, you know, I, I look for sponsors to fund the areas that they're building out. Um, so really it's just a conversation. You know, it's like, we know we need these elements to make this event successful. Yeah. And within those, if there's something like Gina said, Jolene, I really want to have something that's 20 feet long. I want to, do a fire outside. I want to do this. We'd figure out how to do it, you know? Um, And that's the conversations I have. It's the same thing with the sponsors. It's like that are coming in to be a part of it. It's just like, what can we do so that you can reach your goals? Is there somebody that you specifically want to work with? And then like right now, I'm going through the process of pairing up our mixologists with our liquor brands. And it's the same thing. What's the kind of cocktail that you'd like to do? What kind of spirit would you like to work with? Maybe the spirit wants to work with this person specifically and like how we can help each other out. So we run through all those processes outside of production. (laughs) (laughs) And then Gina, so on your end, when you decided to get involved last time around, you know, and then again this time, how, how do you conceptualize the idea of what you're trying to present? Because this is clearly not just go to a typical festival and show off your greatest hits maybe or maybe it is i don't know but it doesn't seem like that's what it is you know the, oh this is what my signature dish is in the restaurant i'm going to give you this i give it to you at every festival we all know that that routine that comes up so how's this different from that if it is in any way you know for sure i don't want to do anything we've ever done in the restaurant or pretty much anything we've ever made it's such a special event and you know you want to be out there in a backwards hat and an apron just cooking and i think really showcasing yourself as an individual and then your brands behind it you know, so many events have to do like, this is Las Vegas, this is Harlow. This event is showcasing, you know, the woman. And right. so really thinking like seasonality, who I am, what I love to eat, how I like to eat it, and just kind of surprising everybody too. So, you know, I take a lot of time, especially for an event like this. You know, I'm not just trying to do rigatoni bolognese and slop it out <laughs> right. to everybody. Which would be awesome. It would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. it would be like awesome. a regular day at Las Vegas. It for would sure. be awesome. But one of the things I really appreciate about you and so many other women that come into this event is that it's about what is they're experiencing now. So yep. something they've been inspired by, something Correct. they've been learning, um, you know, any of those things um, um, take control. And so... Yeah, like you said, I, I can go to your beautiful restaurants and eat those things. Mm-hmm. But when I go to something special, yes. 
I've always loved your view and the view of many of the other people that come in that say, no, no, this is this is its own animal. It's its mm -hmm. own event. Let's let's make it that. Exactly. And that way it's more special, not just for you, because you get to do something completely mm -hmm. different, but also for the visitor who maybe they're coming here to because they do love both of those restaurants. Yeah. And then you get to surprise them with something they've never seen before. Exactly. And even like all my team gets to watch us do it, make it with us together. It's exciting. You know, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. And also joining us now, we have Amber Tuttle from, um, I get, right, I get your name right? Yeah. From Sparrow and Wolf, <laughs> GM of Sparrow and Wolf, yeah. another one of yeah. our favorite restaurants in the whole world. Um, first of all, welcome. And secondly, um, is this your first year being involved with, with Picnic in the Hour, or did you do the first one? Uh, this is my first um, so year. I'm sorry, I'm going to need to oh. get you right up there. Yeah, there let's go. That. Yeah, uh, this is my first year, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. Cool. Um, so... I'm going to give you the same thing. So when you decided to get involved, what was the process like? What, and, and what are you going to be doing? And how did you come up with whatever it is that you're going to be doing? Uh, so first off, we're featuring a, a cocktail from our brand new spring cocktail launch. So um, I wanted to do something that represented femininity. Um, so it's a cocktail that I uh, worked on with our mixologist that uh, features a floral gin, a little bit of uh, lavender, um, some yuzu citrus. It's a, it's a delight for the spring. Cool. That sounds, yeah. I want one of those now. That sounds yeah. really refreshing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then when, when you, um, at, at, did, you, did you talk to any of the, the chefs who are going to be there and try to coordinate how the cocktails will work with certain dishes or have you not dug that deep into it? Not quite. Just more of seasonality and uh, featuring some, some cool things we have going on at Sparrow. Did you attend the first one? I guess that's a interesting. Question. I did not you actually, did not. which okay, is so uh, you don't know what to expect. <laughs> I at know all. this is brand new for you. Yeah, I'm really excited about it though. Okay, what are you imagining? <laughs> uh, just a, a room full of uh, amazing, talented women that uh, inspire uh, creativity. We should also talk about the location, actually, because the last few times that we discussed Picnic in the Alley on the show, I think we were saying it's at a secret location. It, it, yes, it's but not But there's so now a location anymore. up on yeah. the website, so right? with 920 events, um, it's going to be at 920 South Commerce. And so it is going to be, do you know the cross street off the top of our head? I'm trying to think. I think it's near Main Street. No. Yeah, it Main runs parallel, parallel to Main Street. I mean, it kind of looks like it's, if you... Yeah, you go across the street from the English Hotel, and then you go another block over behind it. That's yeah, sort of where it would yeah. be, right? Yeah, I just think I'd know my my downtown uh, <laughs> geography a little bit better than that. Um, but I'm excited about it because um, what I've seen from like outdoor pictures and things like that, it's an indoor outdoor space. Where in 2019 it was fully outdoors. Um, we were at the thankfully we had good weather, but we were at the will of the weather. So we yes, we are all crossing our fingers. Um, but there'll be um, activations throughout the inside. There's going to be booths. There's going to be sort of this conversation pit that we're creating so we can have conversations with, with women about more about Picnic in the Alley, why these things are important. Um, and then there'll be some outdoor space as well. So, so um, guests can kind of roam and fill their picnic baskets and, and meet all the different chefs and bartenders and AGMs and, and everybody who's coming to visit us. Um, I did have a quick question for Amber. Sure. I know that Sparrow is doing two things. You've got a cocktail and then Chef Jasmine Rocha is coming in and doing dessert, I believe. Yeah. Are they going to be something that they're sort of paired together or are they two completely different? Two completely different. Awesome. But, uh, two strong, powerful women coming from, uh, from our restaurant kind of showcasing what we got. So Chef Jazzy is uh, amazingly talented. Um, 
Art, she runs kind of our bread and our pastry program. So I'm excited to see what she has, but it's a surprise. That's that she's, awesome. She's uh, looking to showcase that day. Yeah. So how supportive are the men in your organizations being of this? Is this something that your whole team at Sparrow and Wolf is excited about as yeah, well? Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing to be a part of that company. Um, I left for a little while. I was running a, a, a beer program. Beer uh, is kind of my big thing. But um, I came back because working for Chef Brian and John was just uh, truly just, it's like working for family. They're very supportive and helping you achieve your, your goals and, and just cultivating this uh, environment for creativity and helping build us up as women and just as the, the whole staff in general. So, you know, I want to make it very clear that, um, you know, you all the advertising says or everything says, you know, created by women for everyone. Correct. Right? And, you know, it shouldn't have to be said, I suppose, but I guess there are... Um, there are probably some boys out there who are like, oh, my God, it's just going to be a chick fest. And uh, I don't <laughs> yes. you know. And um, it, it certainly I feel like I'd be excited about that. If I know. Right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they're thinking it's going to be like, a, you know, a, a girl movie or something. And uh, basically what I'm saying is this is just really at its heart. It's a food festival. It's a celebration of community. It is not. It, yes. You notice when you walk in that everybody doing this is women. And yes, you are kind of su- surprised to see so many together because as we've said women are always so vastly outnumbered at other events but it's not like you know clobbering people over the head political right. thing <laughs> once you get in the door right no not at all no the atmosphere is supposed to be comp- it's totally welcoming um it is 21 and over if we haven't said that yet let's make that very clear because uh, there will be a lot of booze flowing um but uh no it's it's, it's the whole point uh like gina and and jolene were saying earlier is that it's it's to show that you know you go to these things and you know let's face it usually you go to these big events and you see women there serving or you know maybe they're dropping something off at a table or something like that in this case you get to go and you get to see the chefs and you get to see the mixologists and you get to see the people coming up with these recipes that you love so much that you may not realize are there um and i wanted to add to that you know you al you asked um jolene and, and gina earlier about if it was accidental or on purpose about how many women you have working for you because it is quite a lot in the best way possible um at sparrow and wolf is it is it sort of an accident is it purposeful is it a mix of both i think it's a mix of both yeah um it's whoever shines through but also you know supporting supporting women as well so uh some of my most promising stars right now are actually women in our restaurant that we're we're trying to give this uh the tools to succeed in the industry that is awesome yeah are you you guys forgive me for not knowing are you reaching out to any of the schools um universities trying to get people involved as well that are that are still learning coming up in the in the process of their culinary careers we do have a volunteer link um that that can be shared and and is being shared out on on social media so we encourage anybody that wants to get involved um and and wants to have a hand in it or or even just kind of sit back and just kind of see how it's put together at first we're absolutely looking for volunteers and those are those are those are the people that we're looking for for sure um, okay, what else do we need to touch on? My gosh, um, I, maybe go? maybe just a couple of quick personal but related questions. What are you looking forward to most? One one of you, both of you. Well, are you going to make that shot you made last year? I will for you. Off? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so last year I did the opening shot. Um, I had a had a had a couple of tables set up, and uh, yeah, we did basically in a lote sort of michelada thing going mm-hmm. on last year. I will bring some just for you. Thank you. I am bringing hot sauce. Oh, that will go in go. all of the bags. Oh, I love that. So um, some of the stuff that I've brought you before, okay. Artful, Ho- Artful Saucier will have hot sauce in all the picnic baskets. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and uh, and then we'll be sitting around. I'll be having a chat. We're setting up this sort of speaker series, living room, cop a squat, have a chat. Let's talk about the event. Let's talk about anything you've been learning. Let's talk about these women's initiatives. So, yeah, we'll be doing all of that together for sure. Oh, that's awesome. For sure. How about you? Knowing it's your first time, I know you've seen the lineup. We don't, we're sharing menus, but not everything is out there quite yet. Do, right. you, do you have certain people that you really want to talk to or meet or share with? I mean, I'm just looking forward to meeting everybody, but um, I'm excited to also be alongside uh, Rose over from Silver Stamp. Yep. Uh, we've worked pretty closely in the past. I've hosted beer festivals in the past that she's been a part of. And then she's running uh, Pink Boots as well, which is another group I'm part of that's all for... Um, helping women in uh in beer yeah i'm part of that one yeah yeah so so it's it's gonna be cool to see what she has to offer but uh obviously all the yummy food too absolutely yeah absolutely now I feel awesome. like I need to change my answer. I just said a shot, and she said all these <laughs> wonderful, powerful women that are going to be there. Uh, you know. <laughs> I tell you what, I'll bring you a picture, and you can walk around <laughs> and have those moments with, with all these wonderful else. people. Perfect. People come together over food and drink. That's, That's what so we're trying true. to do. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we spoke about um, <laughs> tickets are available now. They right? are. They are $125 general admission that gets you in 5 p.m., and it's $150 for VIP, gets you in an hour early. And that hour is important because you get a little bit of sort of, um, you know, knocking elbows with the chefs and the, and the mixologists. It's a little bit of a cocktail hour, some past, past um, apps, um, and really just a chance to have a not too busy, not too public space with all of the chefs and the mixologists and artists and stuff that will be setting up. I feel like the vibe around this is just so much different than other festivals, you know, and we we've all been to especially anybody that works in this industry has been to all these dine arounds a million times set up at a casino pool. You get your bite from everybody, you know, you do it. (laughs) And, you know, knowing as many chefs as I know, um, you know, I, I see them when they're preparing for it. And very frequently, there's not really that level of excitement of going out it's just sort of something you need to do to promote your restaurant right it's like a it's a chore you know you have to go to all of the community events the vibe's different about this right it is 100 percent yeah yeah it's it's way more chill um you don't i don't feel um and please tell me if i'm wrong gina or amber um when you go to these events it's it's not the vibe that you have to feel like you have to hit every booth you want to hit every booth but you don't feel like you're punching a time clock or punching a card to make sure you get everything out of it because you paid, you know, your one forty nine ninety five or whatever. Um, it's it's much more. Joe's off mic and she's got something to chime in. <laughs> just yell it out. It, I, we'll oh, we'll I repeat it. Say that when when designing this, when designing this, the <laughs> you know, I didn't want to sell a thousand tickets. Right. Right. The whole point of this was also. I don't want the chefs to come and the mixologists and feel like they're working. Right. Right. Like the first year we didn't do more than 350 uh, tickets. One, that was what the space was going to fit. But really overall, it was because I didn't want the chefs to feel like they were working. Right. Right. You get to a point where you have to make so much food and it becomes really difficult. And then you're just, you're running, you're scrambling the entire time. This was meant to have like create a space where the chefs can have 
fun, yep. meet each other, move around. That's one big reason why we added the VIP hour to start. And we asked two chefs uh, from the win, Kelly Bianchi and Sarah Thomas, to do hors d'oeuvres the first hour. So that for the first half hour, the chefs didn't have to be in their station. They can come out. They can have a glass of champagne. They can have a bite to eat. And then run over to their station at 430. Sure. You know, but, but, you know, that's a big part of why this does make us different than than other festivals. Perfect. We also create a ton of seating. Low seating, normal tables, lots of high tops, bar stools by the beer area, bar stools by the wine area so that you can relax. You're not just in line waiting yeah, for a exactly. bite and then walking into another line to get a quick right. bite. You know, the, the food, because you take that time to sit down and enjoy and move around, the food also lasts longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so true. you've got that three hours to to enjoy yourself yeah. right and you're i think you hit, through. you just hit the big word you get to enjoy yourself yeah you don't feel like you're rushing 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 to the next thing so i think that's amazing and joe and i are now sharing a mic which is <laughs> fun i feel like such a rock star passing it around i know right we've only got four inputs today and we've got five people so um could you just talk a bit about we, we talked about women's hospitality initiative and how that grew out of this but why did you choose um shade trade to be one of the recipients of, of the the proceeds from this We worked with Dress for Success last year. I just really wanted to spread it out through some local charities in Vegas. I mean, the Shade Tree has been around for quite some time, and it really helps women in need, um, women and children in need, and I just felt like it was important. We also know that that money can stay locally in Las Vegas. And for those who don't know that much about Shade Tree, I mean, they have been around for, I think, about 30-plus years. They take in not only women and their families, but if they have the facilities for it, they also can take in family pets. So they're not yeah. separating families. They the they're Noah's not... animal arc or exactly, something over there. Exactly, exactly. They so the they're, you know, they're not um, you know, overfilling shelters by trying to take care of just the human portion of things. They have educational systems involved. They have their own kitchens. Uh, they even have a small medical unit on on uh, property to help take care of people. So, yeah, as a dog owner, I, I love the fact that they have an entire yes. facility over yes. there for dogs. <laughs> and um, you know, I was there. I remember it was probably ten or fifteen years ago when they dedicated that. But I, I had a long conversation with the people that, oh, that wow. run Shade Tree. And, you know, they were saying that there's a lot of women in bad situations who do not leave because they don't want to leave the family they pet can't behind. Leave the pet. It's just yeah. like, you know, that, that may be the only source of comfort to somebody yeah. who is yeah. having a really shitty relationship or home situation yeah. or whatever, whatever we want to call the really shitty thing that's going on. You know, the only source of comfort is your dog. You, you know, you want to get out of the bad situation. You don't want to leave your pet behind. And right. I think that's really important. I do too. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I want to thank you guys all for coming out, man. Yeah. Um, anything you want to add before we um, before we head into the news? I just look forward to being a part of this. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having us be a part of this. Again, we have Amber Tuttle, AGM, over at Sparrow and Wolf. We've got Gina Marinelli, if I don't skip over that too badly, uh, <laughs> chef partner at Harlow and La Strega. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you for having us, Thank guys. you so much. Yeah. Thanks. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. Time for the news. Vegas Test Kitchen has announced its last hurrah. Saturday, June 3rd, the last day at Vegas Test Kitchen with a farewell to VTK Foodie Fest. That includes poppin' pies, stay-tuned burgers, down-to-earth plant-based cuisine, and arepa heads. Tickets, $40. That includes a cocktail, open bar, for another $30 a person. 
Ramcard Casino is having some fun with the Kentucky Derby. The greatest two minutes in sports turns into the greatest two days for horse racing fans at the Rampart Casino in Summerlin. So you gallop on over to the casino and experience the excitement of the 149th run for the Roses. There will be betting seminars, fancy hats contest, entertainment, drink specials. Uh, find out more at uh, Rampart's Facebook, Instagram, and or Twitter accounts. When is Kentucky Derby Day? The 5th through the 7th is the weekend. So I think okay. that's the 6th, the Saturday the 6th. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I was just wondering because the yep, Kentucky Saturday Derby the Day May is 6th. when Jim and Tisha Bagley always celebrate their anniversary. They were married on Kentucky Derby Day. Oh, I love that. And yeah. that is I love Jim Bagley. That's con- congratulations yes. early, guys. That's fantastic. I performed yeah. their wedding ceremony for them. That was a lot oh, of fun. Oh, my gosh. I love you even more. That's fantastic. And Jim Bagley, that. for those who aren't familiar, is a great food writer here in Las Vegas. He's he not writing yeah. as much these days as he used to, but um, still, when he writes, it's always worth reading. And he's a lovely dining companion. I've got to sit with him at uh, Chino Poblano and yeah, really great people. Um, so I'm really excited. I I was not so excited with the Raiders, but it's here. So I'm owning it. So I'm, this time I am excited. You know, I am an Oakland girl. I'm a San Francisco girl. Um, this is my second hometown, right? So my second hometown team, this time baseball, has made a binding commitment to buy the land and build the stadium to become the Las Vegas A's. Uh, we will be updating you as we learn more. And of course, it's all over social media today. Um, it's going to be in that space across the highway from T-Mobile Arena. Right by um, the In-N-Out Burger. Right, right? by the In-N-Out yeah. Burger, right? Yep, that to, corner. You're going to walk by it to get to the stadium. <laughs> yes, it's pretty wired. much. Pretty In-N-Out much. Burger kind of stadium. Exactly. So there's the yeah. temporary venue, of course, will be the Aviators Park in Summerlin. But Aviators Park only holds a little over 8,000 people. The typical MLB stadium holds about 42,000 people. Yeah. So so again, the typical temporary A's these days has been oh. about 10, <laughs> The aviators actually beat them last They season. have, yeah. yeah. For a park that only holds uh, 81 yeah. something or 82 hundred people, they find a way because they have beat that record, uh, I think, more than eight to 10 times over the past couple of seasons. Yeah. So, so the Wild Wild uh, West Casino is long gone. That's the, <laughs> the land on which that's going to be. There's yep. a truck stop. And then there's that Days Inn that the uh, station owns and I always love the great story about that. When they turned it into a days in, they had to upgrade to <laughs> meet days. Oh in. my in standards, huh? Oh so that, my wow. goodness. I, I'm glad I'd never be. At the <laughs> I always tell people if you're buying a $39 hotel room in Vegas, you're getting a $39 getting a- <laughs> hotel room. Correct. I think, I've, I think I've used that. I've used that hotel for a quickie. Once <laughs> I have. Really, really uh, did, you, did you sign the wall? I uh, did not. No. But, um, <laughs> uh, so what I'm told is that there's a rule in baseball that the home plate has to be facing. Yeah. North. Sort of the north. Yeah. So it'll be facing the, the, the heart of the strip. Really, yeah. From that. Position. Yeah. That's yep. what it's yeah. if that's I, I don't know the rule, but if that's it, that's exactly what that's be doing. probably a good reason why the circus circus site uh, was rejected, because it would be looking right at the strat. Yeah. Uh, that or if your neighborhood near it. I think the other one was like all the way down by the M, which is basically what are you looking yeah. at? What, Mountain's Edge in Sparata or something. And yay yeah, yeah. for the people who live there. But well, then that's the whole not Tropicana. The, that's thing. not the view. <laughs> the idea was to bulldoze the entire Tropicana and put it. Oh, there, my gosh. Which that would have been interesting. Would have seen a wall of green, the MGM. <laughs> 
would be no good. That's true. Okay, we have gone so far off. We have, we have. Okay, a little bit. Nothing food related here except In and Out Burger that we not yet. We're hope we're well. We're hoping for some good installations in that stadium. Let's say that. So, the Mirage Hotel and Casino, aka the Hard Rock Hotel Casino Las Vegas, is the place to be on Cinco de Mayo with the help of Diablo's Cantina and Rumbar Tropical Ultra Lounge, May four through sixth. Again, that's not just Cinco de Mayo. That is Kentucky Derby weekend. In addition to food and cocktail specials, a live mariachi band will perform from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at Diablo's Cantina and 7.30 to 9 p.m. at Rum Bar. More information at hardrockhotelcasinolasvegas.com. And I know we were just talking about Jose Andres, but bear with me. China Poblano, they love their festivals, don't they? Inside the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas has announced its 2023 Tequila Mezcal Festival beginning this Monday, April 24th through Sunday, May 7th. Head Chef Carlos Cruz Santos, who we've talked to on this show before, and his team have created a special springtime a la carte menu to pair with agave spirits. Additionally, guests can ask for assistance from any of the expert servers to pair standard menu items, Chinese and Mexican alike, with mezcal or tequila any time of the year. More information is available at chinapoblano.com. And I've got one more. It's spelled like China. China, It is spelled like China, correct. Um, Hawthorne Grill over at uh, the JW Marriott is taking Mother's Day specials, offering a three, or excuse me, talking Mother's Day specials, forgive me, offering a three-course dinner menu on Sunday, May 14th, served from 4 to 8 p.m., $85 per person, exclusive of tax and tip. You get choices of an appetizer and entree with a special dessert of a raspberry rhubarb trifle, and that's a pink velvet cake, vanilla yogurt cream, raspberry rhubarb compote. For information on this and other specials for the weekend, including spa visits, dining, and entertainment at the JW Marriott in Summerlin, visit www.marriott, that's www.marriott.com slash L-A-S-J-W. Yeah, or just Google it. Uh, or just Google it. That's a big one. Yeah. Trifle, trifle's <laughs> a, a very uh, English thing. As I it recall. is. Yeah. That yeah. layer, the layered dish. Yep. Exactly. Apparently the spotted dick was not available. <laughs> remember when Rachel made the trifle? On oh my God. She, I was just thinking that. Mixed it with shepherd's pie. Yes. <laughs> uh, so um, we have a couple of Italian wine pairing dinners coming up on Thursday, April 27th. Chef Mark Vetri will join forces with Chiara Droco of the Caschina Adelaide Estate to create a four-course meal. Um, tickets are $300, including tax and tip. The next night, Friday, April 28th, Gaetano's will welcome Fabio mm. Longano of Epson Epson.com. Company, no, Epson Company, I believe. And they're going to create a five-course meal highlighting their wines. Tickets for that are $125 plus tax and tip. I spoke to, to um, Nick Palmieri, the second-generation chef and restaurateur who runs that Henderson landmark, about exactly what they have planned. So this is uh, an Italian wine dinner that's very diversified. We have Fabio Longano, which is uh, the representative of Epson Imports. Uh, they're a 50 year plus import of fine Italian wines. All the wineries are family owned, single, you know, they, they own all their grapes and everything. So we're doing uh, wines from all the way from Northern Italy, all the way down to the South, which is pretty cool. And then what kind of menu have you created to go with those wines? 
So we're doing a five course menu. Uh, for example, we're doing a French recorder, which is a Italian style champagne with um, caviar. We also are doing um, uh, Bucci Verdicchio, which is gonna be served with one of my uh, favorite uh, Caesar salads topped with calamari. We also have um, Dolcetto di Alba, which is uh, superiori, uh, absolutely delicious. We also are serving a uh, varietal from Sicily that's actually very rare, uh, only grows on 250 acres there. We're serving that with uh, lamb chops, actually. Um, so it's uh, pistachio-encrusted lamb chops. And then we're doing a dessert with a lemon amaro from Sicily as well. And that's going to be served with a vanilla gelato with Sicilian extra virgin olive oil and sea salt on top, which is pretty awesome. You talk a bit about what the experience is like when people come to these wine dinners. So the experience is uh, we always have a rep from the importer or the winery show up and it's uh, very educational. We sort of run down why I chose these wines with the dishes and then we have the rep explaining all the wines as well. The cool thing is that we also have the opportunity for people to purchase and order these wines after the dinner below retail costs. And finally, for the cigar lovers, on May 19th, Ferraro's will host what they're calling Sota Le Stelle, or An Evening Under the Stars, featuring El Septimo Cigars, which um, the folks at Ferraro's describe as the Rolls Royce of cigars. Guests will get to meet the owner of El Septimo. His name is Zaya Yunan, and you will sample cigars and even light them with um, Zaya Yunan's $5.5 million golden what? diamond lighter. Go. What? Drop five mil on a lighter, man. That's, yeah, <laughs> dude, I want to party with that. Dude. I thought I was a bougie <laughs> bitch sometimes. <laughs> uh, the meal will take place on the patio with a menu that includes charcuterie, suckling pig, oh. steak, shrimp, langostino, risotto with caviar. You get the idea. The food's going to be accompanied by cocktails, premium wines. By the way, Ferraris has an amazing Italian wine collection. Oh, yeah. One yeah, of the yeah. best in the world, I believe it's been ranked. Um, but also samples of ultra-aged bourbon and rum. Oh. Again, that's on May 19th, and the price is $395 per oh. person. Yeah, you know that sounds like a lot, but for what they're describing, you know, you might find me there. I just, oh wow, <laughs> maybe maybe just so I can hold the lighter. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Hey, want to <laughs> hold my lighter? <laughs> yeah. So that's okay. it for the news and about it for this episode. Thanks to our guests, Jolene Menina, Gina Marinelli, Amber Tuttle. Um, also to Chef Stephen Lee and Stephen Parker for the snacks that they served us while we were recording at the Vegas Test Kitchen. And thanks to Clint Toman at the Mob Museum and Nick Palmieri at Gaetano's. Hey, please tell a friend about Food and Loathing, available at the usual podcast places. Obviously, if you're listening, you might have a favorite. So tell everybody where to find it. You can check Al's musings as well and postings on the major social media sites. Just search Food and Loathing. And you can reach us directly by email, and that's at info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, and I'm going to reprimand you once again, why haven't you? Download the Neon Feast app. It, no, a lot of new stuff has been added to it recently. Use it to find your next dining destination because whatever you need and whatever you want, you'll find it on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. If I don't have it, Mistress Gemini, do I deserve punishment? Yes. Okay. <laughs> 
Straight up. I'm going to download it for you, and then I'm going to punish you about it. All right. So if you want to see Al on TV while we're getting punished, look for his weekly appearances on Wake Up with the CW now every Friday around 8.30 a.m. Catch Al all week long on the Neon Feast update on The Vibe, 99.7 in Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river. Also every Thursday morning around 8.10 p.m. on The Club, AM 670. 8.10 a.m. 8.10 a.m. 8.10 a.m. You said p.m., but that's okay. 8.10 a.m. Pickup. Good every, reminder. Uh, never mind. I don't need it. It's <laughs> in the morning. In the morning. Yes, in right. the morning. When none of us are awake yet, but I wake up because I always love to find it. So, uh, hey, and if you want to catch up with what I'm up to, including, you know, listening to Al at 8, 10 in the morning, uh, if you want to know what I'm up to, if I'm cooking, I'm eating, I'm traveling, I'm learning, what events are coming up and more, you can engage with me on the socials at Wishbone and Vine. That is about it with Samantha Gemini Stevens and Rich Johnson. I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. <laughs> <laughs>